Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. And welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. We've got a really good show for you here in the last week. Before the bracket is unveiled, we've got conference tournaments beginning all this week around the country. A uh, number of bids already over the weekend. Uh, Utah State, Winthrop, Bradley, Liberty, all getting in. Uh, so the AQs are funneling through. We're going to have more, of course, throughout the course of the beginning part of the week. Some one-bid leagues, some multiple-bid leagues, and then all the high majors going through the rest of the week into the weekend right up until Selection Sunday. So Joel Lenardi from ESPN is going to join me, the bracketologist, the original one. Uh, we're going to break down the bubble teams in all these high major conference tournaments. Dan Dockich, ESPN college basketball analyst, will give me his take on uh, the Big Ten and other leagues around the country who he sees certainly could make some noise this week and into next. Chad Acock, of course, from Turner Sports, joins me to go over my predictions from last week and look ahead to this week. And then Obi Toppin from Dayton. I had a chance to catch up with him earlier this week after they played at Rhode Island. Uh, he's going to be somewhere in the top three of the National Player of the Year race. And then my Cats ranks is my All-American list from 10 to 1. So let's get to the headlines in the last week before Selection Sunday. Headline number five. First ACC regular season title in school history. Florida State wins it. 80 to 62. The Florida State Seminoles are ACC champions. Florida State has won the ACC regular season title. What a phenomenal job by Leonard Hamilton. They went undefeated at home. Yes, in hindsight, should have been in that top 10. So all those Seminole fans that were riding me, that's fine. I heard you. Uh, But a great run for Florida State to win the ACC regular season title. Headline number four. And for the first time in the history of Creighton, they are a Big East champion. 77 to 60. Creighton, champions of the Big East and the top seed in next week's Big East tournament. A three-way tie for the Big East title with Seton Hall, Creighton, and Villanova. Crazy week. Villanova goes in and beats Seton Hall. Creighton started the week by losing to St. John's. Then they won their two final home games, including beating, beating Seton Hall. And then Villanova barely beat Georgetown to have a three-way tie in the Big East. Uh, certainly those three teams, and I would throw Providence in there, are all teams that legitimately could get to the second weekend in the NCAA tournament. Headline number three. And the Wisconsin Badgers, for the first time in five years, have won a share of the Big Ten title. Maryland basketball. Alive and well. Will there be a party at Bentley's tonight? As they go to 14 and 6, and it's a share of the Big Ten crown for the third year in a row for Sparty. Another crazy conference finish. A three-way tie for the Big Ten title with Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Maryland. Really amazing what the Badgers did in getting to the Big Ten title. Totally unexpected because they were brutal earlier in the season. And yet they pull it off. Unbelievable. Uh, Michigan State struggled at times in the middle of the season. End of the week by, with a, I mean, just a phenomenal win. Last weekend, Maryland uh, knocking off Penn State, uh, Ohio State. Great end to their season to get a piece of the Big Ten title. And then Maryland, three chances to get a piece. Could have won it outright. But they finally get it done on Sunday with a very impressive win over Michigan at College Park. I was there to witness the whole thing and talk to Anthony Cowan Jr., hometown young man, finishing off his home career in you know an epic fashion. And then Mark Turgeon, who really has done a wonderful job overall at Maryland, and uh, you know he just he told me after 
that he had a thousand pound gorilla on his back. So I, I think he's done a really good job getting this program, navigating it through the change from the ACC to the Big Ten, which is not easy. Long time for that fan base to adjust. And so he gets, he should get credit that, you know, they got a piece of the Big Ten title, kept this team together. Headline number two. What do people need to know about the Dayton Flyers? We're going to be the most dangerous team, and hopefully we get to the national championship. Dayton finishes the A-10 undefeated and is on deck to grab a number one seed after being picked to finish third in the conference in the preseason. What a job Anthony Grant has done for the Flyers. Obi Toppin, just mentioned him. We're going to hear from him later in the podcast. And uh, just they just they were so much better than everyone else in the A-10. I mean, there was like a clear division. It was very Gonzaga-esque in the A-10 this season. And headline number one in college basketball. Tied at 56. Merrill for the lead. He's got it! Oh, my goodness. And the Aggies are going back to the NCAA tournament. Utah State stole a bit out of the Mountain West on a Sam Merrill three-pointer which ultimately pushed San Diego State likely off that top seed line. Uh, phenomenal job by Sam Merrill, 27 points, game-winning shot at the buzzer. And Utah State, which was on the bubble, now gets the AQ after earning uh, it last year in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, and so they'll get two teams. They may have anyway, but still, no question, that's the first, we can say it, first bid stealer here of championship week. All right, so those are my top five headlines in college basketball this week. And let's get to our guest. Andy Katz with NCAA.com and March Madness with Obi Toppin from Dayton. And Obi, this squad that you are a part of, that you're a leading, clearly has the look of a team that could go pretty far in the NCAA tournament. As this season has developed, how have you seen this group come together to a point where it could be a team like that? Yes, sir. From the uh, beginning of the season, uh, we knew it was going to be a very dangerous team just because we seen how bought in everybody was uh, going into the season. Everybody was dedicated to uh, what the coaches were asking us to do, and everybody knew their role on the team, and that's why we're so successful now. Lost to Kansas and Maui in overtime, to the buzzer, or at the buzzer, to Colorado in Chicago. At what point this season did you figure out, you know what, we've got something special here? Uh, those, those were uh, two really good teams, uh, uh, very well-coached teams, and uh, have really good players. So uh, going into those games, like we knew we had a shot to uh, beat them just because of the team that we have. It came to overtime and down the stretch where uh, we, we didn't get the stops we needed. But uh, we, we knew after those games that we was a very dangerous team and can compete with anybody in the country. And after those two games, we took those as an opportunity to learn and get better. And hopefully we see them again in the tournament. In what way have you become better? Uh, I feel like, uh, I, like I trust my teammates a lot. And uh, we, we bond very well together. And we build a better bond every single day. And that's what's helping us win every day. But for you personally, in what way is your game blossomed even more over the last even couple months since the season started I feel like um the game slowed down for me a lot I'm starting to read the defense more I'm not rushing shots and coach and uh and my teammates have a lot of trust in me and allow me to do what I do on the court how have you become a better leader? I, I feel like I've been a, a really good leader because of Trey and Ryan. Those are our main leaders on the team, and they push us every single day. And hearing their voice helps me with my voice. And uh, everybody listens on our team. Everybody on our team has a voice. So we all listen, and we all appreciate it. You know, I remember we talked earlier in the season, but at what point when you got to Dayton did you believe that this was plausible? First day, like we have a really good coaching staff who is dedicated to uh, winning, and we we just needed the right team to uh, to buy into what the coaches were asking us to do. And I feel like that's that's what we're doing this year uh, with the team that we have. Uh, everybody's bought into what the coaches is asking, and that's why we're getting a lot of W's. But when did you believe that you had the potential to be a national player of the year candidate? Oh, I, I, if you asked me this two years ago, that uh, saying like I would be a, a national player candidate, like I wouldn't believe you. But uh, I feel like I just put in the work every single day, and my teammates push me every single day to become the player that I am today. So I appreciate that. And watching this team, you guys have the length, the strength, the athleticism to really make it all the way to Atlanta. I know that's a long way away still, but. From your vantage point in this locker room, why do you think this team has the intangibles, the pieces to make that kind of run? 
Because we have so many different options on our team. Like, because of the attention that I'm getting, it's going to open up a lot for uh, other shooters. So if I'm in a pick and roll with Jalen, who's an amazing guard, they, they have to decide whether they have to stop the ball or collapse on me on the roll. So it, it's hard for teams to do that. But we have really good shooters, really good defenders, and uh, really, really great playmakers on our team that help us win every single day. All right, one last thing, the windmill dunks. It's, I don't know why. If, I feel like you, you're, you, you get left alone a lot on those. I mean, what do you love about that, that when, you, when you have sort of wide open space, you've, left, you've been left alone, and you know you can flush it like that? I got to try something new. Uh, the windmills are starting to get boring. It, it, it became a regular to me now. But uh, my teammates just find me in the open, and I just I, I have to boost up the crowd a little bit, whether we're home or away. And it's definitely an energy booster for our team. So every chance I get, I'm going to either windmill or try any dunk. So Appreciate it, Obi. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Joe Lenardi, my good friend and former colleague, the Really the uh, creator of Bracketology in my mind. And uh, I will tell you this, Joe, you're no Sesame Street character. Um, <laughs> you're an icon for me. You're a star. Uh, it's ridiculous I, I, how well, coaches... If I am, I hope I'm the cookie monster. Yes, I know. Like, it's ridiculous yeah. when coaches react like that. But whatever. I digress. All right. Let's start with the ACC. The tournament will be held in Greensboro. And Joe, at this juncture... Uh, I mean, I only ha- I only think four are safe, and those are the obvious of Florida State, Louisville, Duke, and Virginia. Um, I don't see much of, if any, of a bubble outside of a team obviously winning it. W- what do you see from the ACC in terms of whether or not there's even a bubble uh, going into this tournament? Oh, no, there is a bubble because NC State is right there. Uh, and and it's, it's ironic because last year they were also right on the edge. And – didn't make it despite a net in the thirties, but a non-conference schedule that was dead last in the country. This year they scheduled a lot better. They're just playing in a league that hasn't given them as many opportunities. And because of that, their net is in the fifties. So they, they could end up missing out for two different reasons in two consecutive years. And, uh, you know, because of that, I'm, I'm sure they will be wailing and, and gnashing of teeth, but I think if we're being honest, the ACC just hasn't been that good. And at least after the top three or even they now have had some warts down the stretch, uh, Florida state, the least of them, and probably nobody playing better than Virginia. Right. Uh, I don't know whether you can win six tournament games, 44 to 42, but they're going to try. <laughs> well, and I would also just say NC State, you know, had plenty of opportunities after they beat Duke. They squandered their next few games and then they got hammered by Duke a second time. So, you know, I, you know, I won't feel sorry for them if they don't get in just because they had opportunities. Let's move on. They do have a couple. They do have two or three really good wins. No, I know that. And but I, To be honest, if you said, you know, Joe, better mortgage payment. Are they going to make it or they're not? I actually think they will make it. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so obviously they got to do some work in the ACC tournament. Let's go to the Big East where uh, I feel fairly confident that there may be also no bubble. I mean, I think that you could make an argument if this if there was no Big East tournament that seven would get in and three would not. Uh, and that would be that. Uh, how do you look at, you know, the potential bubble, if you will, I guess, of Xavier, Providence and Marquette? Marquette is a late arrival to the bubble, I think, only because I prematurely made them a lock. I think Providence has just won too many high-level games. Especially on the road. Right. The issue here is Xavier, because if you really study them, their resume is nowhere near as good as their numbers. And my expectation is that they will miss. Interesting. All right. Let's keep going. Uh in the Big Ten, uh, we did mention Indiana. So once again, how much of a bubble is there? Uh, really, you would argue, you could argue that Purdue is the only one that you know might be in that category after Rutgers won at Purdue. Maybe, maybe not. Where do you see the bubble in the Big Ten? Yeah, for all the you know silliness around Indiana in the last twenty-four to forty-eight hours, I, I think they will make it, and it wouldn't surprise me. They lose the first round of the Big Ten tournament. 
if if they're in the first four, but they certainly have some pretty high quality wins. Now, in fairness, their five wins against the field have all come in Bloomington. And, you know, we've been ragging on Rutgers all year for not winning any significant games outside of Piscataway. Well, actually, that criticism now applies more to Indiana. As far as Purdue is concerned, I get the metrics. I get the quality wins. I've decided to introduce a new metric this year. And, and Andy, I'm counting on you to take it straight to the committee. Uh, TML, too many losses. <laughs> like at some point, and I don't know where the line is, but we've let it creep and creep and creep for these power conferences. Like if you're essentially a 500 team, and that's what Purdue is, enough already. Like, right. Enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me keep going. And, here. and oh, go. you know, Indiana likes to conveniently forget that they lost twice right. to Purdue. Right. Okay. All right. So let's keep moving. Pac-12, once again, you know, you could make an argument that seven could be in uh, if you feel good about UCLA, Stanford, and USC, although Colorado seating has taken a major hit, and so is, I think, Arizona, to some degree, Arizona State. Um, so maybe they're not all safe, but I could see a scenario where seven get in. You know, I think I, I, I think there's a lot of drama there. Now, to me, UCLA is safely in because of what they did in the league. Having said that, I don't think they're going to be viewed that way. Uh, I, I, I think their numbers are and remember that cause. year when Washington won the league and didn't get in. Correct. Correct. Now, but, but UCLA is the opposite of that because they have the wins in the good columns, uh, that, that year the league was so bad. Washington did not. Uh, so, so I do think UCLA will make it. Uh, but, but, but I don't, I don't think it's drama free. I think Stanford's got way better numbers than its resume. Uh, I think Arizona state has a better resume than its numbers. I think Southern Cal is pretty safely in, uh, and of course, the teams at the top. There probably isn't a team in the country that has more disproportionate metrics to the good side than Arizona. Uh, and, and and I don't get how they're a top ten or top fifteen team in the metrics. I think they're tumbling toward and might even reach an eight nine game. All right, let's go to the Big Twelve. Uh, the bubble there, you know, to me, it's really focusing on Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and Texas. Yeah, and everyone has just assumed that Texas Tech is is safe, and 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 I don't know where that's coming from. Um, y- you know, it starts with their seven, eight, excuse me, sub two hundred wins, which you know it is almost half their wins, and they haven't done much against the field, and now they're going to play most likely Texas. I think they do start with Texas. Another team that looked safely in and then just really spit the bit on Saturday at home against a team that's not going anywhere, Oklahoma State. In the old days, we would have said that's an elimination game. But now it doesn't really matter how badly you did in your league or how badly you do down the stretch. I would pay attention to that. And maybe thankfully for the college basketball world, I don't have a vote. <laughs> Evaluating it as the committee does, I think they'll both make it. And, and Oklahoma – is in. I think Oklahoma's in today. Yeah, I, I and I think they'll be in. Yes, uh, their non-conference was better than Texas Tech and Texas. Although Texas Tech did beat Louisville at the Garden, lost everything else when they played somebody, which wasn't very often in the non-conference. You know, and they lost their SEC challenge game to Kentucky at home, which would have ended the conversation. They'd be solidly in. Uh, Oklahoma seems to somehow always get an at-large bid, no matter how they do in the league. They're six games under 500 in the league in the last three years, and this will be their third straight at-large. <laughs> All right, last year, I want to just pepper uh, I'm not passing judgment. No, I'm I know. It's fact. fact. We're, 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 we deal in fact-based here. Uh, last three uh, of the major tournaments later in the week, SEC, once again, bad bubble. A lot of work for a Mississippi State you know, I think Arkansas, Alabama, they've all played their way out. I mean, I almost maybe feel like- Mississippi State if everything goes right, but Arkansas, like there should be a rule if you lose to Vanderbilt, you don't make it. Like I just don't think there's much drama. It's it's Kentucky, it's Auburn, it's Florida, LSU, LSU and Florida. Yeah. 
All right, last two. And Florida, one of the disappointments yes. of the year, really. Okay, what are the chances that you think the A-10 and the American max out each at two? Well, at this point, I think the A-10 would have a parade for two. Yes. Because Rhode Island has had a terrible last couple of weeks. Right. Even their wins have been bad. St. Louis making a late charge, but they won't get there. The preseason pick VCU finished 500 in the league. So that leaves Richmond as the best available at large. And I happen to think, having seen him a bunch of times, I think they're actually good enough to win a game, maybe two games in the tournament, if they can get in. They played almost a month without their leading scorer, had a near miss against Dayton without him, Blake Francis. And they're playing as well as any normal Atlantic 10 team would at this time of the year. Dayton is in a class of its own with, you know, three or four great A-10 teams from the past, but certainly not of the present. I think it would be really unfortunate if Richmond didn't make it, but they probably need help elsewhere to slide up. And, of course, no stumbling short of Dayton uh, in the A-10 tournament. And the American? The American is goofy. Uh, Houston obviously is in, and then you can throw a blanket over Cincinnati, Wichita State, uh, to a slightly lesser extent, Memphis. And, I mean, co-champion, Tulsa. There was a time when being, you know, a champion of the top 10 league automatically put you under pretty good consideration. That has slipped away. And, I mean, some people are still making a case for for UConn surging. I, I, I don't see that, but it wouldn't surprise me if they won the tournament. Uh, I don't think they can get in at large. So I think at the end of the day, the American is more likely to get more than one than the Atlantic 10. But I actually think the next best team of all of them right now is Richmond. Yeah. And and I'm going to say I'm going to predict that I think it'll end with Houston and Cincinnati. Yeah. And, you know, as a fair reflection of overall quality. Two and two would probably be the fairest outcome. Yes, I agree. All right, so you're going to have an incredibly busy week. Hopefully everything goes on as scheduled. And, yeah, uh, really. And, well, the uh, bunker is secure. Yes. All right, good. And, and, and hermetically sealed. All right, great. Uh, so I'm good. All right, Joe, I will check in. Everyone, make sure you check out all his bracketology on ESPN.com. And, and uh, yours as well. Yes, well, they know that because they're listening. But uh, what about your bracket show? Is that going to go on all week? We got one more. Uh, I, I think it's sweet week, so we need ratings. Okay. Uh, the Bracketology Show, Thursday at 6 on ESPN+. Plus. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. All right, Andy. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of Cats Ranks here on March Madness 365, NCAA.com, and, of course, March Madness. I'm Andy Katz. So for this latest edition of Cats Ranks, I'm going to rank my top 10 All-Americans ending with my National Player of the Year. Let's start at number 10. Malachi Flynn from San Diego State. The Aztecs had a phenomenal regular season, weren't able to win the Mount West Conference tournament, losing to Utah State, essentially at the buzzer. Prior to that, one home loss to UNLV. But Malachi Flynn, transferred from Washington State, had a phenomenal All-American season, leading the Aztecs to really a historic year in San Diego. At number nine, Vernon Carey from Duke. The Blue Devils didn't win the ACC regular season title, but Carey was by far the most consistent freshman in the country, and it was because of Carey that the Blue Devils had even a chance to win the ACC regular season title and you know, would be still considered one of the teams that certainly could win the national championship. At number eight, Philip Petrusev from Gonzaga. The Zags winning the WCC regular season title were a number one team and Petrusev really had a solid all-American type season. They could count on him to score, to board, and to really lead them on a consistent basis. At number seven, Marcus Howard from Marquette. Now, the Golden Eagles did fade down the stretch, but they wouldn't even be in consideration for the NCAA tournament had it not been for Marcus Howard's scoring ability. He carried this Marquette team throughout the course of the season, and, you know, his numbers are, are indisputable. There's no question he's a player of the year candidate and makes our top ten. At number six, 
Devon Dotson from Kansas. Dotson leading the Jayhawks in the Big 12 regular season title. You really could go either way with him or Yudoka Azubuke, but Dotson was by far uh, the most consistent player and stayed healthy. And so that's why he gets on my list here. Very close to being a first-team All-American, but just slid him to that sixth spot. At number five, so these are my five first-team All-Americans here. Cassius Winston from Michigan State. Finished in, you know, just, I think, a real special way in his last regular season home game at the Breslin Center on Sunday. Kissing the floor, uh, impacting that game, and beating Ohio State. Look, there was a lot of pressure on him. He delivered, for the most part, just on the court for a moment here. Joshua Langford was supposed to be his backcourt mate. Injured, didn't play the whole season. So Winston had to lead young guards like Rocket Watts and did a great job, all while carrying the burden of grief from this entire season with the passing, the tragic passing of his younger brother, Zachary. So... I think Cassius Winston, with everything he had to deal with, he had an All-American season out of the Big Ten. At number four, Peyton Pritchard from Oregon. Phenomenal closer. Ducks win the Pac-12, get the top seed. And Pritchard had to shoulder all that responsibility up at Oregon. So I think he deserves to be right up there as a potential National Player of the Year and in the four spot for me. I went back and forth with the top three over the last month. So this was tough. At number three, Miles Powell from Seton Hall. Just such a classy individual, the way he carries himself, the way he leads the Pirates. But the fact that Seton Hall just was a little inconsistent down the stretch, still got a piece of the Big East title. It's why I knocked him down just a peg and put him in that three spot. But he has had a sensational senior season for the Pirates. At number two, Obi Toppin from Dayton. Toppin carried the Flyers to an undefeated Atlantic 10. He's a human highlight reel, but he doesn't have to do it all by himself. I was so impressed with watching the Flyers and the way in which they've got so many options. They're big, they're strong, and Toppin obviously is the highlight and an exceptional player, but he doesn't have to have the full responsibility. That's why I went at number one in my All-American list, my national player of the year, Luca Garza from Iowa. If Garza does not play well, Iowa does not win. But you know what? He played well almost every game, scoring in the mid to high 20s, or at least averaging home, road. In the Big Ten, everyone is focusing on Garza. In their last regular season game, he almost willed Iowa to win at Illinois. And the last shot wasn't able to convert. But he, his offensive efficiency numbers are off the charts. Everything he does, he does well offensively. And he's become a much, much better defensive player as well. Iowa just would not be an NCAA tournament team with all their injuries without Luca Garza. He was a factor in every game and gave Iowa a chance. And that's why he is my National Player of the Year and leads my Cats ranks top 10 All-Americans. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Dan Dockich, ESPN College Basketball Analyst. Uh, Dan, uh, first off, let's talk about the Big Ten heading into the Big Ten Tournament. Uh, a three-way tie atop for first place, shockingly with Wisconsin. Unbelievable turnaround within the season. Uh, Michigan State gets its act together in the second half of the season. And then Maryland, which you know you could argue for the most part was maybe the most consistent team. Uh, in the Big Ten. What did you think of the way it all played out and all three teams, especially the Badgers, ended up tying for first? Andy, I think you better get all your rich buddies together, alumni, do something nice for Greg Gard because people <laughs> were crushing him, right? I mean, they're sitting there six and six and, oh, man, Kobe King's gone. And you were great, by the way, covering the whole Kobe King thing, at least what you sent me. Um, I think that Greg Gard is coach of the year. I think that Greg Gard adjusted. They play seemingly looser and lean forward for whatever the reason, uh, really got going and, you know, they're going to guard, they're going to be smart. They're going to handle the ball. But the truth of the matter is they started shooting threes and they started shooting them with confidence. And I think Greg, because of that, look, there's a lot of great 
coaching stories in the Big Ten this year. Certainly Steve Peichel getting Rutgers in, in, into the tournament. Tremendous. The job Brad Underwood did. Uh, fantastic. You know, all that kind of stuff is great. Uh, Pat Chambers. But the truth of the matter is in-season coaching, I got to tell you, man, uh, I'm not sure I've seen a better job of it from six and six to winning out to win a win a piece of the title. And I know Indiana hasn't had the greatest year, but that was that was a monster win, Andy. I mean, to go into Assembly Hall on that day with that crowd and Indiana's playing defense and get down seven late, come back and win the game was uh, was fitting because this team is is tougher than hell, Andy. Really tough. Maryland and Michigan State. Yeah. Um, first of all, what do you think the chances are that they have the chops, if you will, uh, to not only just win next week in Indianapolis, but you know potentially get to Atlanta? Yeah, I think Michigan State's playing as well, if not better than anybody in the country. I think them and uh, Kansas, Andy, I, I do. I think that Rocket Watts, Aaron Henry have been exactly what the doctor ordered, particularly Watts. Watts has given them like a potential 20-point-a-game score. You know, he can do that. I saw him do it in person uh, at Illinois in a comeback win. And, and to me, Henry has been very consistent, but he's been – better of late. And then I believe this, I believe Xavier Tillman has emerged like he and uh, Kenny Goins did last year uh, into the defensive player of the year, not only in the big 10, but across country, that guy's going up against monsters every night in the big 10. And, and again, I saw it for myself. He shut down Luca Garza in the second half and another comeback win. Uh, Maryland to me, I've covered so many of their games. I had them early. Uh, I got them. I, I had them late. I think that they're a terrific story. And you mentioned it, the most consistent team. You know, your interview with Turge where he said the 80-pounder, 800-pounder. 1,000-pound, that's better yet. 1,000-pound gorilla off his back is true because those people there, man, they expected this team based on the start to get going. The thing that I think is cool uh, about all these teams is, and and taking Wisconsin, Michigan State, and uh, Maryland is in two cases – they have senior guards in Cowan and Cassius Winston who have been absolute seniors. And in the other case, Demetric Trice. Demetric Trice at Wisconsin, man, took over the team once King left and the whole team was in a bit of disarray. Man, he's, he stepped up. He stepped his leadership up. And it's cool to see upper-class guards not only contributing, but kind of dominating their own team and willing their own team, Andy. And uh, I, I don't know. I just think that's good to see. And there while we – we seemingly talk about it. Who's going to be in the draft? Who's one and done? That kind of garbage. All right. On Sunday, there was an exceptional game between Illinois and Iowa. That was the last game of the regular season. Yeah. Uh, Might have been the last, actually, com- game of any conference in the regular season. And Luca Garza, uh, who's clearly going to be the Big Ten Player of the Year, and my question also to you is, should he be the National Player of the Year? You know, got this team back to within one possession. Illinois held on for dear life to win the game that they'd been up 16. Your thoughts on those two teams going forward? You know, Andy, I, I think Garza is a national player. Of the year. I, it's funny, a week ago, Jason Benetti and I were in, in Reno. We were in Nevada, and I told him, hey, grab a cup of coffee. We're going to meet in the sports book and, and 9 o'clock in the morning and watch the, the noon game with Garza and at Penn State. And that dude, man, we were high-fiving, I'm telling you. We were absolutely high-fiving each other in the middle of the sports book uh, in the Pepper Mill in Reno, going nuts watching how hard he plays. I, I think he's the player of the year. Uh, I like both of the teams. I, I wish, I wish for Illinois' sake that Georgie Bashanas really could shoot the ball. If he were a stretch four-type shooter, man, would they have a squad because that's what they're really missing in that spot. Iowa, I think, is a sleeper to make a run in the NCAA tournament. I don't see it in the Big Ten tournament as much because the team's known, but I think you get in the NCAA tournament, you got a team that can get in the 80s. Uh, I like both teams. Um, I thought it was a great game tonight, and I think Kofi Coburn is my uh, uh, freshman of the year in the Big Ten. I don't love both teams, um, but I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, man. It gets close. Give me Io DeSuma late in the game to close it out, and if you want a team where a guy could literally – put them on his back. It is Garza. I can see both making a run, particularly in the tournament. I really can. All right. Let me go a little big picture here with you outside the big yep. 10. And uh, you know, on, on what night was it? it was Wednesday night. I watched Dayton play at Rhode Island. 
And I was incredibly impressed, not just with Obi Toppin, but their size, their length, their experience, their composure. Uh, I mean, they, they look the part like a team that could go really deep. I don't know if you've seen them, uh, but I want to get your thoughts on them. And, and then you mentioned Kansas. Uh, just, I, I think they go, I think Kansas goes into the tournament clearly as one of the favorites. I agree. I think Kansas is playing great. I do. I think they are, uh, if they're not the favorite, then they should be right amongst one or two. I guess maybe Gonzaga. Um, I, I'll say this about Dayton. I've watched them four or five times. And here's the way I look at it, Andy. Sometimes you watch teams and they're not nearly as good after you watch them for a while. You're like, eh, I don't know, man. And then you watch some teams and you're like, damn, that team is really good. Damn, I didn't know that guy could do this. It's a veteran team. The more I watch them, the more I like them. I think they can get hot defensively. And, and by that, I mean they could play defense because, as you talked about, their length, got some quickness, athletic ability. They can play defense without help, meaning I don't have to – you know, guy tries to get a handoff, turns a corner. Obi Toppin and these guys, Watson and the rest, can get through ball screens with their length and their footwork. Uh, square up on a guy so that now you don't have to help from a corner shooter or you don't have to help from a wing guy. That's the thing I was most impressed about. You know, it's a veteran group. It's a group that you can do different things with, meaning some some teams that are young, the ball screen is so prevalent in college basketball, you can only do one or two things. Maybe you keep it on the side. Maybe you trap it. Maybe you switch it. Well, with with Dayton, you can back, you can hard hedge, you can soft hedge, you can put, a, you can have a guy go underneath certain guys. And even though that's not their guy in the scouting report, they're smart enough to recognize personnel decisions that is so big in the NCAA tournament where shot making is at a premium. I, I really, really like Dayton's chances. I think they're going to go in uh, as a number one seed. And I think they should with the loss of San Diego State. Toppin gets all the press, but they got dudes that can go. And I, I love them. I love them on the defensive end, Andy. And I'll tell you this, man, they can get out in transition and go. And they're not afraid to lift up from the three either. E.B. Watson's going to be a big factor in the NCAA tournament. Mark my words. How wide open do you think this tournament is? It's a good question. Um I want to say incredibly wide open because I feel in, in recent years, that's what it's become. I mean, when somebody asked me, can they make the final four? And they asked me about a team, Andy, I said, well, okay. Two years ago, Loyola made the final four. Hell, nobody thought they were going to make the final four. Last year, Texas Tech got in the national championship game and Auburn would have been in the national championship game if Kyle Guy hadn't done the gutsiest thing I've seen on a basketball court and make three free throws in front of the whole world. So I think there are a ton of teams that can get there. I, I, I look for this. I, I know that usually when teams get to the Elite Eight and that, you go by defensive ratings. you got to have great defensive numbers. That's kind of the history. But I'm not going to be surprised if you don't see some high-scoring games. One of the things I'm interested, Andy, is this. How are we going to officiate it? Because I think the Big Ten has been officiated really well and maybe in the minority of that. I know a lot of people think – that it's too physical. I know a lot of people think that they let them play too much. Well, if they do let them play too much, it favors teams with bigger bodies. So I'm anxious to see how that plays out. But Andy, I, I, I swear to God, I, more and more, I don't even think it's a question. Is this, this, is this tournament open? I think it's, I think it's wide freaking open. I really do. And lastly, Dan, next week, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, mention, uh, you were talking about Kansas Baylor, but, Got to at least get one mention of the ACC in there. Not a great year for the ACC, below four. Uh, but um, And I should actually mention Kentucky as well, so we'll close with that. But Duke, Florida State, Louisville, and Virginia clearly separated themselves from the rest of the league. And then obviously Kentucky, I think, stands apart from the rest of the SEC. What do you think the chances are that anyone from that first group of four from the ACC and certainly Kentucky can make a deep run toward Atlanta? <laughs> Virginia to me is insane, right? I mean, the job they've done at the end to put themselves in that position. Look, I can't see them advancing. You know, I guess I, everybody could get to the second weekend. Louisville to me has been a bit of a disappointment. I mean, I, I know that they had a great year, I, I guess. Uh, faltered a little bit at the end. I saw them get swamped. I'm sure you did too Monday night last week uh, by Florida State, the team that I – I think probably has the best chance out of all that is either Florida State or Duke. I, I, I think people sometimes 
we expect so much out of Duke that we think, well, you know, it's not a great year for Duke. Well, last I looked, they seem to be in the Sweet 16 every year. And I think, I think this, I, I think they got back to Garden just a little bit against North Carolina yesterday. I know they didn't blow them out, and people expect them always to blow them out. But I think that Duke is going to have a bit of a renaissance defensively. And with that inside kid of carry and, uh, and Cassius Stanley and, of course, Jones, I, I, I think they're a threat. I think they're a, they're a big-time threat. Florida State, to me, is interesting. I'm, I'm anxious to see um, because we all talk about their scoring. But here's what it seems like to me. It seems like they got a bunch of guys and get the ball in the bucket. Like this isn't just a bunch of guys that you can play off of. Uh, going into the, and I'm going to retract a little bit what I said earlier, Andy. I, I think if you're going to ask me, okay, um, give me the four best teams going into the tournament. I think I would say Florida State. I think I would say um, Gonzaga. I think I would say Dayton, which is kind of weird, right? You got two, you know, what Jesuit schools or whatever it is, and I think I'd say Kansas as the four best going into the tournament. I I do think I'd put Florida State in there because I think they can do whatever is necessary: guard you, get out on the break, hit mid-range shots, hit just enough threes to beat you, and beat anybody. Yeah, I mean the Zags certainly, and I was remiss not mentioning them to you, but yeah, they clearly can get there as well. They're uh, you know the one thing, Andy. The one thing I'm going to say, and I'll, I'll let you go, is I, I did San Diego State game last week, and Brian Dutcher, who I've known for 100 years, told me something interesting. He said, "Dan, we don't make threes. We're just like every other team, but we don't beat ourselves." And this is what I thought was really interesting. He said, "And every team that we play thinks they should have beat us." You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yes. you get done with the game, and it's like, "Oh hell, we could have beat them." What? 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 We should, you know? Um, they finally got beat, but. and this is going to be negative and it shouldn't be because they've won so many. But if I'm a one seed, I want them as my two seed because they don't overwhelm you. And I'll tell you the one other team that I think will be one of the more entertaining teams to watch is BYU because they just ball. Oh, Oh, they ball hard, man. Haas. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and you know, I'll tell you this, if they win a few games, the hottest coach in the country is going to be Mark Pope because he got a lot of personality. Yes. He got a lot of pedigree and he's fun to talk to and he's smart. Yes. Well, Dan, it's great that your voice is back and you're healthy. And uh, where are you going to be this week? Uh, Benetti and I have the semis and finals tomorrow and, and uh, Tuesday of the Horizon, and then I head to the ACC tournament. So it's looking forward to it. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. See you, brother. Bye-bye. And now here on March Madness 365, it's time for March Chadness. Chad Acock from Turner Sports. Uh, Chad, we are in the last week before Selection Sunday. Got all the major conference tournaments going on. And uh, first, before that, we got to see how I did on the last week of the regular season. It was a little up and down, I know. So why don't you give me the... You know, the breakdown. Yeah, you finished really strong, actually. You know, after some, you know, right around 500 weeks, uh, you went 8-4. and four. You know, you was fueled by a strong Saturday. Uh, but for the week, you know, you nailed both of Michigan State's wins at Penn State and then uh, Senior Day against Ohio State. Uh, you correctly predicted Kentucky to win at Florida. And uh, that was, you know, you didn't really have any idea that Ashton Hagens wasn't going to play. So good pick there. True. Um, you know, the other games you picked right were Rutgers over Maryland, Creighton over Seton Hall, uh, Virginia pulled that one out against Louisville, Duke over UNC, and Oregon over Stanford. Uh, you did miss on, you know, Nova's win at Seton Hall, which is, you know, understandable. We thought Seton Hall would protect home court. Uh, and then probably your boldest pick uh, that really just backfired was picking Rhode Island to beat Dayton. And we, we you witnessed firsthand what the Flyers are capable of. Uh, and then a pair of road teams kind of let you down in Illinois uh, at Ohio State and then Baylor at West Virginia. So, you know, all in all, really good week. Any, any initial feedback on those picks? Yeah, I mean, first of all, uh, shame on me for not fully believing in Dayton. Uh, when I saw them, it's, it wasn't even close. Uh, which we're going to talk about here when we get to the predictions, uh, in terms of, you know, they've just completely completely separated themselves from the rest of the A-10. They're just simply better, stronger, quicker. Uh, so that one was probably uh, a little misguided. Uh, the rest, uh, you know, I mean, I got a little lucky on Kentucky at Florida. Uh, that came down to the last possession. And, you know, I, obviously West Virginia had not been playing as well. So I think that was... You know, that, that made sense. So, I, you know, I overall, I feel pretty good about uh, the selections. Uh, but, you know, that's sort of been the manner in which the, the season has gone where, you know, there's going to be outliers, there's going to be surprises, and uh, there's really been, 
it's been incredibly difficult to predict. Yeah, let's look at some of those conference tournament games, Andy. You got three out of the five right. You nailed Belmont, Liberty, and Winthrop, all winning their respective leagues. Uh, but you did miss on San Diego State and Northern Iowa. You know, we saw Utah State. That one went down to the wire. Sam Merrill, uh, they, they pulled out the W. And then Bradley went on to win the Missouri Valley. Uh, so initial thoughts on those first automatic qualifiers. All right. So I feel good about, obviously, the one-bid leagues. Uh, the Valley, you know, Northern Iowa just picked the worst time to have its worst game of the season, getting drilled by Drake. Uh, and that ultimately will probably put them out of the NCAA tournament. Uh, as for Utah State, San Diego State, you know, look, San Diego State have been trending a little bit. I mean, they've been playing with fire where they've been dealing with deficits for a lot of their games over the last couple of weeks. And Sam Merrill was just phenomenal, our national player of the week, uh, with 27 points throughout the course of the Mountain West tournament. He had 20, 29, 27, 27, hit the three-pointer to win. And the Aggies, which clearly had deal, dealt with injuries, were inconsistent, but they had a team that certainly could get back to the NCAA tournament, and they earned it with that win over San Diego State. That's right. Nothing overly surprising there. I mean, yeah, Utah State, I mean, they were a preseason top 25 team. They've dealt with entries, like you said, and they finally look like that tournament team we thought they would be. Um, but it is fully conference tournament season now. Regular season's done. Any, you know, anything can happen. It's absolutely wild. Uh, you know, for these for these major conferences, it's not always a big deal if they if you slip up. You know, for example, last year, Texas Tech, they lost to last place West Virginia in the Big 12 tourney, and then they made a run to the Final Four, a national championship game. Uh, you know, for these one big leagues, you, know, you can't really slip up. It's more costly. Um, but let's, let's jump right into it, Andy. This, it's a big week. All the major conferences have their tournaments this week. Uh, let's start with the ACC. Who is your favorite to win this tournament? So I'm going to go with a trend here, which is that Duke, since 2010, has not won the ACC regular season title, but they've won the conference tournament. And while Florida State's got momentum because they won the regular season, Virginia's playing really well, certainly at home. Uh, I think ultimately Duke tends to be more tournament-tested and tougher. And very much like last year in Charlotte, I think in Greensboro, Duke wins the ACC tournament title. Um, You know, they got Florida State on their side of the bracket, uh, but I I think ultimately Duke's going to win that title. Yeah, I like your initial analysis of Duke at least reaching that championship game. You know, FSU, tough draw. You know, they could potentially face a Clemson team they've already lost to, and then Duke— uh, Virginia's hot, but for for me, I kind of like Louisville here. You know, they came so close to beating Virginia on the road. This time in the bottom half of that bracket, they'll get them on a neutral court. Uh, so I like a Duke-Louisville matchup. Uh, I think Louisville comes out on top. Uh, let's move ahead to the Big 12. Personally, for me, I don't trust anyone but Kansas, plain and simple. Uh, who do you like in the Big 12? So I agree with you. I mean, Baylor certainly can win this. Um, they've beaten Kansas before at Fog Allen, but since that game... It's really not close who's playing the best basketball in the Big 12. And Kansas is just head and shoulders above right now. And it would take their them committing more unforced errors, you know, Kansas sort of mailing in a little bit, uh, and just being off, I think, to lose this week in Kansas City. So I'm going with Kansas to win the Big 12. Yeah, some of those teams, like different parts of the year, you might feel better about them. You know, West Virginia just down the stretch, super inconsistent. Texas Tech on a little losing streak there. Just There's just not a lot of optimism for other teams other than Kansas. So I think you're right. Uh, how about the Big East? Creighton really benefits, uh, for me, at getting this one seed. Uh, the bottom side of this bracket is just brutal. You've got Nova, potentially Xavier in that quarterfinal. Uh, then a Marquette-Seton Hall quarterfinal matchup that's just loaded. Just really no idea what to expect here. Who do you like winning the Big East? And you're right. I mean, Villanova and Seton Hall are on the same side. Uh, but here's where I, I think there are three leagues that are extremely tough to predict. This is one of the three. We'll get to the other two here momentarily. Uh, but I'm going to play the game of basically who's hot right now, who's being able to win on the road, away from home, who's got veterans, who's got seniors, and who's trending in the right direction. And that means I'm going with Providence the fourth seed, to win the Big East tournament in New York. Wow, bold pick to start it off. I love it. (laughs) We'll see what the Friars can do. Your boy, Ed Cooley. Look, uh, Chad, they've won on the road, and that's a big indicator. Yeah, road wins are definitely crucial here. For me, last week I probably would have picked Seton Hall, but now they've lost two in a row. I still trust them to bounce back in a big way. 
uh, trust Miles Powell. I think they could make a statement here and uh, show everybody why they are potential Final Four team. Uh, still looking at Saturday, how about the Pac-12? Uh, the tournament time always seems like it's Oregon's time to shine, You know, no matter what's happened in the regular season. Uh, do you think the Ducks turn it on again? So the Pac-12 is my second tournament that I think is incredibly hard to project uh, because you really could go with any one of maybe six teams. Um, and and I'll tell you who could actually be a total bid stealer here because they suddenly are playing well and they have all the talent to win this league, and that's Washington. Uh, Washington has been playing well, you know, winning at Arizona, but I'm not going to go there. I'm actually going to go with USC, another team that's probably not projected to win the Pac-12 tournament. I love what Onyekwe Okongwu has done. For the Trojans, Jonah Matthews hit the game winner against UCLA. Uh, So I'm playing the momentum game here and not going with the the natural favorite. I'm going to go with USC, which, by the way, could face Washington on the way. And if Washington beats them, then who knows? uh, Maybe they could win all four. But uh, I'm going to go another sort of surprise pick here in the Pac-12. All right, another upset pick in conference tournament. I mean, that's what we're looking for, right? It's March. So, you know, you're right about uh, the, the freshman talent. You know, USC and Washington uh, these these true freshmen, you know, by this time they're not really freshmen anymore. They've they've got the experience uh, to lead these teams uh, to a potential run. Um, so those are Saturday's games. Let's look at the the conference championships that finish up on Sunday. Let's start with the American. Um, I personally like Houston's draw. Uh, they earned the two seed. You know, they end up uh, on the same side as Tulsa. They kind of avoid Cincinnati, Wichita, or even UConn in a potential finals matchup. Who do you like winning the American? So this is my third tournament that I think is completely wide open, and you could pick a number of different teams to win it. Uh, I'm going to go with a team that's going to be desperate, a team that's going to need to win this tournament to get a bid because they are far from safe right now. Uh, I actually had them on the outside looking in on our bracket on Monday. So uh, I'm going to go with Wichita State. I think Greg Marshall will have the Shockers uh, playing sort of that Game 7 sense of urgency. Uh, they've not been consistent down the stretch, but I think that they will just lock in. They're going to have great fan support, by the way, because their fans travel, and this tournament is in uh, the Fort Worth area. Uh, so, you know, it's definitely doable from Wichita. Uh, you know, I, I just have a good feeling that Wichita State is going to get on a roll and win this and get the AQ. Okay, so we just gave you three, I guess, extremely difficult tournaments to predict. How about one that I think should be more of a layup? Who you got winning the A-10? Yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I said this earlier in my mistaken pick on Rhode Island over Dayton. I just don't think any other team is close right now. And Dayton's playing for a one seed, so they've got something to play for. So I'm going to go with the Flyers to essentially easily win this title on Sunday uh, leading into the selections uh, over you know either Rhode Island or Richmond. Yeah, love the pick. Don't overthink it. Just keep riding with Obi Toppin. Uh, let's look at the Big Ten. This one, for me, I think is also incredibly difficult to predict. Uh, you know, Wisconsin earned the one seed. And they'll face either Michigan or Rutgers on Friday. Uh, you know, the depth of this league, you know, it essentially eliminates any easy games in the early round. So rest could be key. You know, you're looking at Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State, or Maryland that could end up having to play, I guess, you know, one fewer game uh, than the others. Uh, who do you like winning the Big Ten? So I'm going to go back to the beginning of the season and go with the favorite, and I'm going to lean to Michigan State. March is Tom Izzo time. Cassius Winston is playing very well. Xavier Tillman, of course. Rocket Watts. Uh, they want to prove that they should have been you know, the outright champs, but they had stumbled, obviously, during the season. I like their draw. Uh, I know they'd have to get by Maryland in the semis, but uh, if they get by Maryland in the semis, I certainly like their chances versus either Wisconsin or maybe Illinois or whoever comes from the top of the bracket. So I'm going to go with the Spartans. Uh, They've been very tournament-tested in the Big Ten tournament for years, and I think they're going to win it. Yeah, I like that pick. They're hot at the right time. Uh, And then the last conference prediction we're going to look at is the SEC. Uh, Who's your favorite to win this one? So, Chad, I actually think this is kind of like the A-10. Because I think it's Kentucky's to lose. I think Kentucky's going to win. No other team in the SEC, and that includes Auburn, certainly Florida LSU, and I think those may be the only four that get in, You know, has been consistent or proven over the course of the season that they can knock off Kentucky on a neutral floor. I know they've beaten, at least Auburn did at home. Um, you know, I, I just don't see it. I think you know whether or not Ashton Hagens plays, 
uh, I don't think is the issue. I think just obviously with Quickly, with Maxi, with Richards, uh, Sestina, they, they have enough pieces. They're going to be driven. They're going to have a great fan support in Nashville. I think they win the SEC title, and they go into the NCAA tournament with great momentum. Yeah, I agree. It's Kentucky's to lose. Uh, now let's let's shift our attention here, Andy. We're going to do a little blind resume game. I'm going to give you some data, give you some numbers. Uh, a lot of this data comes from what the selection committee will use on those team sheets. And uh, you tell me if they're in or out, and then a guess on who the team is, and I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. Uh, so let's start off with, with team one. Andy, they, they went 23-8 and eight in, the, in the regular season, 11-7 and seven in conference play. They have a net ranking of 41, strength of schedule of 69. They have only two Q1 wins, uh, but they have seven quad two wins, five road wins. Andy, in or out? Ooh, 11 and seven, two quad one. Oh, boy. Um, this is a tough one. Uh, I'm going to say they are... Out. Out. You're right so far in terms of what you predicted earlier, but who's the team? Um, how about if I say this? Are they from the ACC? They're not from the ACC, but you've got two of those three uh, letters correct in the conference abbreviation. They're from the AAC. That's right. Is the team Memphis? No, but we just talked about them earlier on who you, who you oh, might have winning that league. Wichita State. Wichita, Wichita State. State. That's right. You've got them on your first four out, so a little bit of work to do in the conference tournament. Well, so that's why I said they yeah, they got to win it. Yeah, they got to win it. So we'll see. Uh, next up, this team went eighteen and twelve overall, twelve and six in the league, but their net ranking is seventy six. Strength of schedule is fifty one, but their non conference strength of schedule was two oh two. But they do have six quad one wins uh, to go along with three more quad two wins. Uh, they won five games on the road, but they do have one bad loss in Q3 and Q4. Andy, in or out? I'm going to say in, and I'm going to guess this is Providence. It's not Providence, but in terms of in or out, you do have them currently predicted in your field. So in, uh, uh, is this a team from the Pac-12? It is. Strength of schedule is 202. Is this Arizona State? No. And again, they went 12 and 6 in the league, but they were 18 and 12 overall. So 6 and 6 oh, non conference. Then this is UCLA. That's UCLA. That's right. So you've got them in your last four in. Now let's take a look at a team that went 23 and 6 overall, 14 and 5 in the conference. They won eight road games. They've got a net ranking of 48, uh, but their strength of schedule is only 115. One quad one win, three quad two wins, but they've got three quad three losses. Andy, in or out? I'm going to say out, and I'm going to guess Northern Iowa. That's right. Good call. Right off the bat, <laughs> knew that one. How about 19-12 and 12 overall, 9-11 and 11 in the conference, a net ranking of 60, a strength of schedule of 47, but they have four quad one wins and five quad two wins. Uh, and no bad losses. No losses in quad three or quad four, uh, but only two and eight on the road. In or out? I'll say in, I'm going to guess Indiana. You're getting the hang of this now. That's right, Indiana. You've got them in, and we'll see where they end up. How about another one? Here's an interesting team, Andy. 16-15 and 15 overall, 9-11 and 11 in the league. But their metrics are strong. They've got a net ranking of 33. Uh, their BPI is 19. Ken Palm's got them at 24. Their strength of schedule is 40. They have four quad one wins and five quad two wins. Only one bad loss, one Q3 loss. They won four games on the road. Are they in or out? I will say they're out, and I'm going to guess Purdue. That's right. Interesting resume for Purdue. You know, like the overall record's tough, but they've got a lot of good wins, and their net ranking's better than a lot of teams that we have, you know, safely in the field, like Penn State, Iowa, Illinois, and Virginia. So tough decision for the committee. Let's hit you with another one. 19 and 12 overall, 8 and 10 in the league, a net ranking of 44, but a strength of schedule of 11. Three quad one wins, but seven quad two wins, and no bad losses. Five and six on the road. Who is it? In or out? Uh, I am going to guess ooh, um, Ohio State? No, but similar geographic location. Xavier. That's right. And you've got them in your last four in. Yes. So let's do one more. 20 and 11 overall. 11 and 8 in the league. Net ranking of 52. Strength of schedule of 15. 
Uh, Non-conference strength of schedule uh, drops down to 55, but five quad one wins and four more quad two wins. Six and five record on the road and zero bad losses. In or out? What was their conference record? 11 and eight. Uh, I will say in. Boy, is this team from the Pac-12? It is. Is this team Colorado? Oh, no. No, Anchor, you guessed them earlier. Oh, uh, Arizona State. That's right, the Sun Devils. So Yes. A lot of bubble teams this time of year. You know, we're, we're getting bracket predictions from you, so I'm looking forward to Selection Sunday when we find out what the committee actually thinks, Andy. Well, Chad, great quiz, and I was not looking at the standings, so I feel like I did all right. Um, I appreciate it, Chad. Appreciate all our guests. My time with Obi Toppin of Dayton, uh, Dan Dockich from ESPN, Joe Lenardi, or ESPN Bracketologist. Uh, we've got tons of content on NCAA.com and all our March Madness uh, social media platforms, uh, the All-American lists that you heard here on the podcast uh, with the Cats Ranks. Uh, this week we'll have Coach of the Year, Freshman of the Year, and of course all our coverage from the WCC, Big Ten, Pac-12 leading into my arrival on Sunday on Selection Sunday in Atlanta at our Turner Sports March Madness Bunker. Uh, we'll, we'll have a bracket in the morning leading up to Selection Sunday on Sunday afternoon, early evening. Uh, and as always, we love the, all the engagement. Come at us, debate, digest, everything. Chad, appreciate it. Uh, and uh, everyone, just thanks for downloading. Thanks for everything uh, this so far this season. we got uh, an exciting NCAA tournament certainly to come.